Hello, America. I'm Robert Reese, and welcome back to the CEO Show. We're here today with Graham Gardner. How are you, Graham? I'm very good. It's wonderful to talk to you again after so many years. It, it absolutely is. And here's what I have to tell you. Graham is the CEO and founder of Kairos Health. Now, this is a company, when we first interviewed, I was amazed, and so were all of our listeners, because you did something no one had done. It's sort of like the money ball, but for healthcare, to match to match the right providers with the right patients. And no one had ever done this. And back then, it was it was newer. Now, it's become like ubiquitous. But just talk about your unique model, because no one else has done this model anywhere. Well, thank you for saying that. Now, the... Uh... You know, as you alluded to, the, the inspiration here was really, could you bring a better data-driven way of matching patients and providers um, together? Um, you know, as, as you remember, I'm a cardiologist by training. And, and so, you know, as we were seeing patients every day, you understood that your colleagues had different skills, different talents, different training. Um, uh, you know, there were sub-subspecialties within uh, all of the, the different specialties of medicine. And too often, a patient would come in to see you as a provider, and you'd find yourself saying, look, I'm really sorry. You know, I know you waited six weeks to see me. I'm actually not the right kind of cardiologist for you. I need to re-refer you to one of my other colleagues, introducing more weight, potentially another copay. From a, from a health system operations perspective, that patient may get frustrated and leak out of the network, right, and go to a completely different health system. Um, and, and, and most importantly, the patients weren't getting the care that they needed. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're not really trained to deal with that specific condition, you actually can end up harming a patient or not getting the right outcome uh, together. So as uh, more data was becoming liquid in healthcare, you know, a decade ago, we began to wonder, could we do what baseball did, right? You can use all these statistics to figure out what are these ballplayers good at doing and put them up to bat in situations where they're more likely to do well and have a team where you're playing to everyone's strengths. What a great thing to do in healthcare, right? And 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 really leverage all the skills of your physicians to make sure you're having the best outcomes. And and from there, you've had dramatic growth. Like you just look at health. You've been you're working with over a hundred of the top brands. Yeah, we were we were very lucky. We we had some uh, terrific early customers who I think really taught us. Um, how, how to implement something like this and then became, you know, wonderful advocates for us in, in the market. So we had started very deliberately on the provider side. So working with hospitals um, and helping ensure that when patients were, you know, calling into their call center or coming to their website, they were, you know, converting in and, and, and getting matched to the right provider. Um, became very lucky. We became the, the industry leader in that um, space. We now serve about 425,000 providers across 1,000 hospitals and about 500 independent medical groups. Um, but one of the things we began to realize, uh, Robert, a couple of years ago was we weren't serving all the patients because only some of them come to the hospital website or a call center to find a, a new doctor. Many of them started the health plan because one of the most important questions was, is this person in network, right? Are they going to get paid for, or, you know, covered by my insurance? And a third of patients were starting somewhere else, you know, either a search engine, a care navigation company, some other digital health uh, uh, app. And so we realized that if we really wanted to serve everyone and, and make sure we were using all that right data to, to get people and match them correctly, we had to be in those places as well. Um, so we did that through some acquisitions, a company called HealthSpark that, that uh, you know allowed us to move into the health uh, plan space. And now where I'm spending a lot of my time is really connecting up all of the different uh, folks who, who work in, in healthcare, trying to serve patients and allowing them to benefit from all the data and workflow we have so that, again, we can match people really across the industry.
What is your vision for healthcare? You've already taken done what no one else has done with patient access and brought it really far. Where do you see it going? Thank you. Well, you know, it, it really does come back to money ball, uh, Robert, in that I, I do think there's a win-win-win for everybody here where the patient gets to the right provider for them. And, and you know, we very deliberately use the word right uh, at, at Kairos, not um, not the best provider. There's no such thing as the best provider. It's, it's who is the right for you in that moment. And so, you know, if I'm looking to establish a, a long-term relationship for primary care, provider, I might care about, you know, that it's another mother or that it's a runner or that it's, you know, someone that has a shared identity to me versus if I need a procedure, a transaction one time, I might prioritize different things. And so we see our role as really uh, just helping ensure that the data is there to help uh, make that informed decision. So we think we can get the, the, the patient to the right provider. At the same time, we also think we can help the provider. They can now be full with the right kinds of patients. If you're a hip surgeon, you don't want a knee to come in because it's a frustrating experience for you and the patient. Um, you want to make sure you're getting the right kinds of cases. We think we can also do that in a way that the health plan is ensuring that care is getting navigated uh, to the right place. And so if it needs a hip surgeon, great, let's get it into a hip surgeon. If it is a lower acuity care, maybe it doesn't need to go to the orthopedic surgeon. Maybe there's a PA that can see that care. And so, again, by by having all of the inventory of, of where people can go across all the, the places where they start their care, if you can intelligently match that, you, you just create an enormous win for society. Mm. So is, I mean, what you're talking about is a true marketplace in healthcare, is, which has never really been done, but you're chipping away at it. Is that actually possible or not? Well, we'll, we'll find out. <laughs> um, and, and I think, you know, it's, it's interesting. We, uh, that, is, that is the hope. And uh, I think it is harder to do, and it's harder to do in, in any industry. Um, I think it's particularly hard to do in healthcare because so many things are opaque. How much does it really cost uh, for certain things? And in and, and too many situations, people are seen as adversaries, right? Where the other health plans are negotiating against the health systems. And what, what I hope we're ultimately able to, to offer is a platform where everybody can see that they win. And, and let, let me give you an example of this, Robert. When we started the company, you know, 14 years ago, there were two challenges uh, within the providers. There was an uneven distribution of demand. So Dr. Famous, booked out 100% out for 17 weeks and people kept queuing up for him because you know everybody knew him and trained with him 20 years ago. There's a brand new doctor. She did exactly the same thing as Dr. Famous and she was sitting empty because no one knew she existed. So there was just a load balancing problem that we were able to, to fix. And then secondly, the, the other thing I alluded to earlier, which was you know, your top specialist seeing a really a low acuity thing that they're, they couldn't be seen elsewhere, right? And they're, or they're seeing the wrong kind of, of knee uh, pain or something like that. We've been largely successful in helping organizations with the first problem. And, and when we now look at our organizations, many of them are, in fact, 100% full. The problem is that they're, they're full with the wrong kinds of things. And if, if, you're, if you're really going to help an organization to grow, and quite frankly, if you're going to deal with the uh, demographic tsunami that is about to hit, as, as that baby boomers age, and they're all playing pickleball, <laughs> so they're all coming with orthopedic injuries, Unfortunately, there's going to be, you know, many going to get cancer, many going to get uh, heart disease. There's nowhere to put them, Robert, unless we get more intelligent about how we, we route things. 
And so that's where we're spending a lot of our time, which is how can you create a, a broader sense of a marketplace and say, hey, maybe the runny nose shouldn't go to that top academic medical center. Maybe it's actually more convenient for the patient to go to Minute Clinic, right? Um, or some other retail setting that's convenient for them, better equipped for that low acuity. Now that slot at the academic medical center is reserved for something that they're you know, highly trained and, and capable of doing. I, I'm telling you, I've been on hospital boards for over two decades and the biggest problem you see everyone goes they just they just go to the emergency department and that's a financial disaster they're going to pick up stuff from people there that people are waiting for you know my father-in-law he waited on night after christmas eve it was i think um 11 hours so wow. it's all because there's no matching but you are actually solving this problem the same way the whole distribution like amazon in a way solve that to everyone in a ubiquitous manner that's exactly what you're doing no that's exactly right the, the the er is a symptom of the fact that no one can get in right and so if you can open up capacity and get people in a reasonable time to the right provider you actually take a lot of cost out of the, the healthcare system <clears throat> so um what what is the website now consumers can how do people get involved how do hospitals get involved how do consumers get involved how do health plans get involved yeah, so, so today, Robert, many consumers don't know we exist, and, and that is definitely by design. We are referred to as white labels, so we work on behalf of the enterprises we serve. Um, so we are powering, you know, the, the Find-A-Doc uh, at organizations. We power the call center software that their agents use to help triage folks. Um, uh, we're working with, you know, care navigation companies, helping their agents uh, be effective. But a lot of it is behind the scenes, and, you know, people just trust us to, to get all that routing correct. <clears throat> mm. Okay. Uh, what is the website? Oh, the, so our website is kyrushealth.com. Uh, and uh, yeah, people want more information there. They can uh, go in and take a look at the, the full set of solutions we, we use. And you have to spell it out. K-Y-R-U-U-S health.com. Where did you come up with the name Kyrus, by the way? I was just wondering after all these years. It's a long story, Robert. The 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 joke for many years was it was the Greek god of referral management. And, and I think somewhere there was a picture of me on some, you know, centaur with a trident or something like that. Uh, but the, uh, the the real story, it, it was a um, uh, uh, play on the, on the word chiral. So chiral forms of nature are, are like mirror images. Our hands are chiral forms of nature. They're, they're, they're non-superimposable. So they look alike, but they're not not exactly the same. And the idea was, was again, a play to Moneyball, right? Which is that no orthopedic surgeon is the same as another one. They, they, they guess they're part of a specialty. They, they practice medicine, but they're each different. And, and that was, you know, what we're trying to tease out to make sure we got you into the right set of hands, if you will. There you have it. We're about to take a break now. When we come back, we're, we're going to find about this technology. Does that work in other vertical industries or not? And then we're going to hear from Graham how he, he built a company, his first company he sold in 13 months, and what he learned from that experience. Back in a few. Hi, this is Robert Reese on The CEO Show, where we interview the CEOs who have reinvented the fabric of America. We're here today with Dr. Graham Gardner, who is the founder, real visionary, and CEO of Kairos Health. And... This is the company that has completely reinvented access. So it connects everyone. It's a first real marketplace. So I, I, I want to ask you, like, your technology is, is highly advanced, very sophisticated. Um, 
how does technology compare to other industry verticals? What would you say? Yeah, I think one of the things you often hear, and, and I think there's some truth to it, is that we in healthcare are 30 years behind many industries. And actually, one of the other inspirations for how we built the technology stack uh, was the travel industry, right? Which which had dealt with this idea of how do you load balance, right? So if you think about uh, the travel industry, you have a very expensive fixed cost asset, right? A big airplane, rows and rows of seats. Uh, in many ways, you know, the parallel here was you have a big physician network, right? A lot of labor costs with rows and rows of appointments. All the planes are different. One goes to Chicago, one goes to Miami. In our case, one's a hand surgeon, one's a knee surgeon. And if you remember, Robert, when you and I were younger and, and flying around planes a uh, generation ago, a lot of seats were empty, right? Uh, it was actually very hard. You had to call American Airlines, you had to call United, you call right and try to find at some point you just gave up and you, you took a seat. Um, but too often planes were, were were leaving. And as soon as the plane takes off, of course, the inventory is you know, gone. Same way as soon as the day is over for a physician, any missed inventory is gone. Um, and so, uh, you know, we, we looked to see what Sabre had done, ultimately, you know, the likes of Travelocity and Kayak, this ability to see all the inventory on one screen. And you could look across different providers, sort and filter by what was important to you and book a seat. So that really became the, the model. Um, and so, you know, one of the things I've been able to do in my career is to to leverage business models that have worked in one area and, and pr can provide a roadmap, right, for, for how to potentially do something in, in different. So I think we, we learned a lot from other industries, actually, as, as we thought about building this in healthcare. Okay. So, so you're advancing this. I, I want to go into this whole concept of, of building a company. So we're going to move off of healthcare for a minute. You built your first company and you unexpectedly sort of sold it in 13 months. Then after that, you built Kairos, which is really, you know, completely reinventing healthcare, creating the first true marketplace. Um, you know, if you were to talk with like your two teenage sons, what what would you tell them from these two experiences about the purpose of being an entrepreneur? Oh, that's a good, it's a great question. Um, yes, yeah, so my, my first company we, we did, we got very uh, lucky and, and uh, went from, you know, quite seeding the company to, to an acquisition um, uh, in, in those 13 months. Um, you know, I, I, I was blessed to work with a phenomenal CEO, someone I, I got to learn from and, and, really see how to build a, a company from both a product perspective, the selling, the commercial motion, but also quite frankly, the strategy of, of again, putting together two sides of a, of a network. Um, and that turned out to be a, a very important answer for a, a big company that that was really interested in what we, we could provide. Um, I, I, I will admit, I, I, I thought they were all going to be like, that. <laughs> so, you know, off I went into Kairos and, and thinking I'd be in and out and, and I would do 20 of these, right, as, as we went on. And, and I think, um, what I learned was it, it it takes many years to build something that matters. And um, uh, my my two teenage boys, as you alluded to, eighteen and fifteen, and and it, it's hard not to think about them as in the context of the company, right? The lessons I, I talk with our employees about, and and the things that that I've learned that I want to pass on to them. And I think one of the the philosophies I've come to, Robert, you know, when, you, when, you, when you're starting at the starting line and you're thinking, hey, I'd, I'd like to, to, to make something here, there's, there's a path where this is the most likely way to make money and do something big. 
And then this is the thing that matters the most. And, and, and where I have arrived and I, I've tried to counsel them on is assume you're going to be successful. What's the company you want to have built, right? So maybe you went down the easier path and you were successful, but you, you built something that you, you're not that proud of, right? Or, or it doesn't have the impact. The other one might be a harder thing to do, but if you just assume you're going to be successful at the end because you're going to work hard, you're going to surround yourself with great people, you're going to keep trying and have grit, um, build the company you think is going to matter in the future. And that that is what has made this path rewarding. There are ups and downs, as you well know, having talked to many CEOs. Um, I have been humbled along the way. I have made more mistakes than I ever thought were, were possible. Some of them I made twice, which are incredibly embarrassing. But I'm really proud of of what we've done here. Um, and and uh, I, I do think what we do matters. I think it has an impact in healthcare. And, and um, yeah, it, I, I hope my, my boys get an opportunity to do that in their careers as well. It is so important what you're talking about, purpose and, and, and how we're all part of this world. So let's let's go back to healthcare and CEOs. What is it? Because that's your audience here. You've several hundred thousand CEOs listening. And what what is it that you believe CEOs need to know about the future of healthcare and how they should be involved? And what is it that consumers need to know about the future of healthcare? Well, I think I think for. Uh... For the, the healthcare operators, we have to embrace technology more. And 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 I I do think this is going to come to a head here with the inflation, the 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 burnout of of uh you know folks that work in healthcare. We can't just rely on using people all the time. We have to find more cost-effective and more efficient ways of of doing things. Um you know, when we talk with our health systems about how they uh you know are getting patients to, to come into this system, it costs them $40 to process a patient that calls into the call center. It costs them $4 to process someone who books online. I mean, what, what more did you need to move to a digital front door, right? And patients like that experience better, right? They're not put on hold. They don't have to call during nine to five. They don't have to say embarrassing things, right, on the phone. In, instead, they can go online. They can search for very sensitive things at 10 o'clock at night. They can peruse a number of different profiles, look at a video to see you know, if someone clicks with them from a philosophy of care perspective and make a, de- a decision that is much cheaper for the organization. Right. So there's that win-win. Um, and I think it has to come with technology. I, I worry sometimes we chase shiny balls. AI, as you know, is, is the big uh, thing. There are a lot of very basic things that need to be done in the health system, well short of artificial intelligence. And and I hope uh, and I and I and I believe I think as more and more uh, executives come into the industry that have been in other industries, you know, I think we'll, we will see more technology adoption. What are those things? If you could reel off a list. I think there's underlying data systems. There's too too much data in too many places. And that's one of the things we obviously solve is. Are you talking about like dark data that's, you know, unstructured or, or in, just in many cases, all over and not duplicated, not codified, not system? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. You know, we, we are, you know, the, when we are building our, our provider profiles, Robert, we're still taking stuff off post-it notes. Um, it's Excel spreadsheets. It's it's JPEG files. It's all the rest of it. So there's a tremendous variety of data that needs to be standardized so that it can be used properly, right, throughout an organization. So that, I think that's a big uh, thing. Um, I think there's, you know, there is an interoperability uh, angle of, of, especially as organizations are coming together through M&A, um, you know, these systems all have to talk to each other. 
Uh, and I think there's there's more to be done around the, the consumer, right? And really understanding that consumer. You know, one of the things I talk with health systems about today is that I think too often they're they're positioning themselves as passive triagers of care. So, you know, imagine you're running a hospital, Robert, you have a thousand doctors, you have 10 slots, you know, they're seeing patients in every day. They just wait for the phone to ring, right? And and or someone to come into the website and, and self-select into an appointment. What I saw during the pandemic, um, you know, when, when a lot of care uh, was was halted, as organizations were starting to reopen up, they said, hey, rather than wait for someone to call us, let's go proactively reach out and say, hey, you're a diabetic. I'm worried about you. You need to come in, right? And they had a, a digital side door, if you will. Wow. Um, what a yeah. 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 And so I think that, that's how you can use technology. If you understand your consumer you have the ability to reach out and, and enable that kind of scheduling, right? Uh, all online for four. Now you're beginning to proactively build your inventory and take care of your population in a, in a much more proactive way. Final question. You are known for having all these unique practices in your culture. And now you really have a pretty large company. So what are any unique leadership philosophies or unique building culture philosophies that you have? I, I, I don't know that we're better than anyone else, Robert. I, I, I will tell you that a couple of things matter deeply to me. Um, one is diversity. I mean, at its core, what Moneyball means is that we're all beautiful. We're all different in our, you know, in our own way. We all have strengths and weaknesses, right? And, and, and gifts to give the world. Uh, that is the core fabric of our of our culture. Um, uh, we we believe you make better decisions um, when when you have diverse opinions and you make it a safe environment for those opinions to be aired and, and debated. We believe we cannot serve the country unless we look like the country, and so you have to have all of those voices internally. Um, and then I think that that psychological safety angle is you 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 have to create an environment where people feel safe. We have a no jerk policy um, at the company. We we just we don't have prima donnas. You have to be able to work within a team. You have to respect uh, everybody else. You have to be intellectually curious and understand why does someone have a different opinion and 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 you know is that is that a debate to have or is it, you know is there really something to to learn there as well? So um, I've tried to, I've tried to do that. Um, I, I I think we all care deeply about each other. It's one of our core values. Um, uh, and, and, and caring to us also means very high standards. We, we think we have a responsibility to finish the job here, Robert. We think what we do is really, really important. We're very well positioned to really create that marketplace we were talking about. Uh, so let's go do it, right? <clears throat> there you have it, Graham. What a pleasure it is speaking with you on the CEO show. Likewise. And I have to tell you, everyone, you heard from Dr. Graham Gardner, the founder CEO of Kairos Health. And this is the first marketplace. So everyone that's going to kyrushealth.com. And here's the other thing, something interesting. If you're not in healthcare, and every CEO with some capacity is in healthcare, but if you're completely not, what Graham said is open that digital front door. There's a 10x higher cost when you do not do that. So if you're looking at your profit, if you're looking at access, if you're looking at customer experience, that's the secret to take away. See you next week.